Welcome to Getting Into Good Trouble, where trouble goes, we follow. We're your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Gracie. I'm Bo. I'm Lex. And I'm Harris. Each week, we select a global protest and dig deep for context and to figure out how we got here. Harris, what's up for this week? This week, we're looking at the protests against the coup in Myanmar. On February 1st, 2021, there was a staged military coup in Myanmar shortly after the election. The military arrested many elected officials and then declared a year-long state of emergency. To maintain the accuracy of this podcast, Gracie and I interviewed Dr. Doogie, professor of law at the Scheller College of Business at Georgia Tech. Later on in the podcast, we'll play back some of the highlights of our interview that summarize our conversation. So... The Myanmar being in control of military rule is not unprecedented. Back in 1962, they were actually ruled by the military. There was a, another coup. And they've really only had a democracy in, since, like, 2011. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, even then, they didn't, the people were never really in control, right? The, um, the, government, or the government wasn't really actually in power. The military was, well, it's the military, so at any time they could stage another coup, like they yeah. did, right? Um, and even then, they still had a significant portion of seats uh, in the, um, you it, know, in the government. The, the constitution was very weird. It was yes. obviously yeah. designed to let the military take mm-hmm. whatever they want, yeah. which they ended up doing. Which, yeah. Do you want any specifics of their constitution? Or? Well, for example, Aung San Suu Kyi, the civilian um, leader, was going to be the president, but then couldn't because in the constitution, you aren't allowed to be president if your kid isn't a Myanmar resident, which was pretty obviously targeted against her specifically. Yeah. And so yeah. she's basically the president, but not technically. Yeah. Another member of her party is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's why, you know, if you go and read about the coup, a lot of people will, you know, say that Aung San Suu Kyi is the, the people's leader, right? Because yeah. she's not technically the president. So they have to, because of that weird, they've got a bunch of weird loopholes and guidelines and things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like basically what Aung San Suu Kyi did is that she was elected like earlier like before this year and she tried to do things where she was trying to appease both the people and the military Mm -hmm. so and a part of that this is pretty controversial is she started like going against the rohingya uh, muslims in the country Mm -hmm. and so that was probably to like appease the military aspect of the government yeah like she before um before that she was really popular with the people and then um the military started having a big campaign against the um Rohingyan muslims and basically um nearly genocided their people and it was not a good thing but um well, but when the gu- when the military is in such control of the government if you're the leader yeah you have to appease them yeah because yeah. there is that very delicate balance that you can't just go in and topple mm-hmm. and she was trying to remove the military from government yeah but she didn't take it slow enough and mm-hmm. she got arrested I mean, it seems yeah. it seemed pretty hard to like appease both just common citizens and a tyrannical military So basically what's been happening with the election in the military is that on February 1st of 2021, Aung San Suu Kyi was elected as the leader of Myanmar. And basically the military did not like that. They claimed widespread fraud and Aung San Suu Kyi and some other party members from her party uh, got kidnapped by these people in the military and they staged a coup and the coup took place as a new session of parliament was set to open 
they the military demanded a rerun of the vote and claimed widespread fraud but the election committee said there is no evidence to support these claims and yeah so suchi since the coup has been held at an unknown location and she faces several charges, including violating Myanmar's Official Secrets Act, possessing illegal walkie-talkies, publishing info that may cause fear and alarm. Okay, but having four walkie-talkies in your home as the literal civilian leader of a country does not sound that insane. Well, is that a serious the military, choice? they need control over communications. And since sometimes it's harder to kind of hone in on like a walkie-talkie signal, they can't control that. And having a uh, leader of a country that is currently unstable um, be communicating through a means that is untraceable to the military in a majority of ways is concerning to them. Yeah, so it was probably due to like national security issues uh. because those talks, uh, that she, any communication that she uses with the walkie-talkie, it's more difficult to be recorded. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so the military commander-in-chief, Min Ong-hyang, has taken power. He's the leader of the military, also known as the Tatmadaw. And for a long time, he's had a huge political influence. And even as the country, Myanmar, has moved towards democracy, he has successfully maintained the power of the military. Uh, he's received international condemnation and sanctions for his alleged role in the military attack on ethnic minorities, which was the Rohingya Muslims. After the coup, the first public comments that he made were just trying to justify the takeover. And he said the military was on the people's side and that it would form a true and disciplined democracy. So understandably, people are really mad about their government being taken over, but there's all sorts of protesters who are demonstrating, right? Yes, the protests themselves are mainly peaceful. The protester side, at least, uh, the government and the, like the military, is reacting very violently to just peaceful protests and people using their voices to stand up against those oppressing them. And even the after effects of the weapons they use, like, can still affect the environment in which they were used. Like smoke bombs used to disperse crowds smoke from it leaks into just homes and it affects the lives of just ordinary people who are just trying to live their lives peacefully. But also people who are peacefully demonstrating and showing the government what they really want. They're the ones who are being shot and killed. And like the first victim was a 16 year old. Yeah, I agree. Like that's horrible that like somebody who had so much potential in their life, it was cut short because they were standing up for something that they believed in. And something I wanted to touch on is just, it's like they're, they're peacefully protesting. And we're told throughout our whole lives, if you peacefully protest, you'll, you'll attain your goals, you'll get what you want. It's, we can look back at movements in the past, like, oh, peaceful protest, it's the way to go. But then you see people peacefully protesting and it turns violent, not because of the protesters, but because of the military intervening. And it's like, they're not accomplishing it peacefully even though they want to. Yeah, it's just so foreign in first world countries to see just showing up and standing up for your community and losing your life because of it. So who are these protesters that are showing up at demonstrations? Usually it is um, students, teachers, lawyers, bank officers, and government officials. It's pretty diverse. 
students. Yeah, you mentioned students, and I think that's really interesting. If you look at protests throughout history worldwide, students seem to be at the forefront of so many of these movements, and I wonder why this is. Well, I mean, they just offer a new perspective, really, because adults, they've already pretty much settled into their lives and are, to a point, content with the way things are. But students, they're still learning. They're still coming into the world, and then they have this new perspective where they can see that change is possible. Yeah, just, like, students are currently, like, being exposed to new information through their education, and... I feel like that may be a very good way to have them, like, they open up their minds through that, and that, like, allows them to have, like, different ideas and hopes for what they want their lives to look like. Yeah, because we haven't be because the youth haven't been shaped or conformed to an extent by different society and societal norms, we have, we, meaning students, have the most opportunity for growth and innovation and we see the bravery of these students that are standing up for what is right and what they believe in and i feel like we should all not like take notes because this isn't an assignment but draw from that and realize that we can all make an impact regardless of your age skill or ability the following clips are from our interview with dr doogie while we used the whole interview to develop our podcast, these are the clips that we felt were the most light shining on the situation in Myanmar. Would you um, describe like how the military ran the country? Uh, well, I mean, they, they were in control of all aspects of, uh, of uh, government there. I mean, they obviously, they, uh, you had a general who was in charge of the, was the head of state. Uh, you had a pervasive security force that made sure that there was no dissent uh, occurring, or if there was dissent, that those people were uh, arrested. Uh, and by dissent, I don't mean just people marching in the streets, but also publishers uh, and, and the like, so the press was not free. Uh, the courts were controlled by the military as well, so uh, to try to get uh, anything that would resemble a, uh, a fair trial was uh, impossible. So this wow. was this was a pervasive control of the country uh, by uh, by the military. Uh, one of the things I experienced there was that uh, when I was traveling around the country, there was there were always roadblocks. So uh, you would be going somewhere to try to visit something, and there was always roadblocks with very young uh, men who were uh, in the Burmese military, and they were always looking for some sort of, of, of shakedown or bribe. So if you wanted to go somewhere, you would expect to be stopped by people that were heavily armed uh, and who wanted money in return for your passage. Well, I did not witness anyone being uh, attacked on the street. What, what I witnessed uh, it was that people, of course, were very reluctant to talk, except if you, uh, because there was a under there was a pervasive security system, so people would basically tell on other people uh, if they were, for example, hanging out with Westerners or saying things anti-government. Wow! Uh, so pe people would talk to me, but they would be make sure that they there was no one around. So if I had a private, if I hired a driver for a day, the driver would talk to me about everything that's going on and how terrible it was. But of course, it was just the two of us. Um, now, that said, you know, back in 1988, 
there was there were street demonstrations and the uh, the government opened fire uh, uh, the government the, the army opened fire on protesters in in uh, August of 1988 and then in 2007 as you know there was also violence there that was the an uprising led primarily by monks uh, and the government uh, attacked uh, there as well. So what happened this year? It's depressing to me, uh, but it was it was not unexpected. Have the people really become um, a lot more aggressive against the government and the military now that they've staged the coup, or is it just the same amount like that has been happening even before the coup? Well, it's you know I I I think that uh, a couple of things uh, back uh, when I was there uh, the there was kind of a uh, just a resignation people are like this is the way it is uh, and after the 1988 uprising people were unhappy but they were also afraid uh, to to say anything that would get back to uh, get back to the government so there was this resignation that this is kind of the way it is. And we saw the same thing happen in 2007. There was this a brief uprising, and then there was more of a, okay, well, you know, that wasn't successful, and uh, it's back to the way it is. And it went, it went down from a, it went down to a low simmer. Uh, and I think that's kind of where we're at now as is, is well, is that we don't see, uh, you know, we had, of course, we had protests right afterward, uh, after the coup, but, um, and certainly there are, uh, there's, there are people, uh, I would think that, the vast majority of the civilian population is dissatisfied, but they're also not back out on the street again. Uh, and I, so, I, I, you, you, it, it, the the temperature has gone down a bit. And when I say that, the only, I, I'm, what I mean by that is that people are not out on uh, on out on the streets as they were earlier uh, this year. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Getting Into Good Trouble podcast. We would like to give a special thanks to all of our sources that have helped us produce this, and also thank you for listening. Goodbye.